Welcome to our third quarter Market Outlook webcast. I'm Todd Eckler, Chief Marketing Officer at Fiduciary Trust. I hope that you and your family are healthy and benefiting from the recoveries that are underway in many parts of the country and world. The markets have reacted positively to these general declines in COVID cases, yet new concerns have begun to develop. In today's discussion, we'll help you stay one step ahead by sharing our perspective on the following topics the current state of the global vaccination efforts and the outlook for economic growth, the price of equities and how the U.S. compares to other regions, the outlook for inflation and interest rates, and our investment perspectives by asset class. I'm joined today by Austin Shepard, President and CEO of Fiduciary Trust, and Hans Olsen, our Chief Investment Officer, who will share our perspective on these topics. Over to you, Austin, to begin today's discussion. Thank you, Todd, and thank you all for joining us for our third quarter financial update. We appreciate the opportunity to share our thoughts. With me today is our Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olson. Hans, are you there? I am indeed, Austin. Good to see you. And you as well. We've had a very busy six months, um, and I'd love to hear your quick recap before we pivot and start looking to the back end of this year. Um, how would you describe uh, the markets and also uh, surprises that have uh, transpired so far? Well, I think the way you put it, Austin, is spot on. Uh, we've had a very interesting year in six months. Uh, and to the point, we've had you know, returns over the course of the first six months uh, were pretty compelling right across the board. Uh, Year-to-date returns. Um, with small cap uh, up roughly uh, uh, 18%, U.S. large and mid cap uh, up mid uh, in, in uh, mid double digits about 14, 15%. Uh, even international stocks have had very good showing indeed, and and emerging markets very decent. If there's any surprise at all, it was that in 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 the narrative around you know a, a robust uh, uh, sort of return to normal with economic growth. Uh, quickening and worries about inflation, uh, gold, interestingly enough, uh, fell over the first six months to the tune of about 7%. So that was a bit of a surprise. But uh, certainly uh, from a market perspective, the second quarter was strong right across the board. And on a year-to-date basis, uh, pretty much all risk assets that we track uh, showed very good returns. Hans, clearly the uh Reemergence from the pandemic over the past six months had a material impact on financial markets. What is the the global uh, perspective of the pandemic as it relates to uh, the markets? Well, markets around the globe have have really responded nicely to uh, one the, the vaccination efforts uh, that have that governments have taken. And those vaccination efforts, particularly in the developed world, really have gained traction. So when you think about percentages of the population uh, that have received at least one dose uh, of one of the vaccines, uh, in many cases, it's over 50% of the population, especially in the developed world. When you get into the emerging world, it's still a bit challenged. But when you, when you look at where the vaccination uh, programs really have taken hold and, and gotten traction, those markets really have done uh, quite well this year, um, both in the second quarter and the first quarter. So I, I think the function uh, that 
we look at markets through um, increasingly will be how successful they are with their vaccination programs, because that is the first step in an ability to normalize sort of our day-to-day um, rhythms uh, and, and commercial activity. Does that inform your perspectives on certain markets like emerging markets and their opportunities at this time or not? Or how do you think about that? I think it certainly frames the, our expectations about when and, and how uh, you see those, those markets respond and, and um, move. So in the case of Europe, uh, for example, Europe had a kind of a rocky start with their vaccination efforts. <clears throat> they seem to have gotten it uh, well in hand in places like Germany and, and the UK and the like, all um, um, doing quite well now in terms of uh, that, you know, getting shots in arms. Those markets also are doing quite well because they're responding to the economies in which they operate. That is to say that the you know business uh, uh, surveys that we're seeing in those countries and, and, and sort of the, the level of commercial activity picking up and expectations that it will continue. So, um, uh, you know, we're at this point in where we are in the pandemic where increasingly our, our sort of our, our commercial success will depend uh, in part on, on our vaccination programs. And how does that inform uh, your current perspectives for growth, um, not only here, but I guess around the world um, for the rest of the year? Um, I think you came into the year talking about expectations for, um, we talked through this journey, whether it was going to be a, a V shape or a W shape or some, some combination of that. Um, how do you, how, what are your thoughts regarding growth um, at this point? Well, I think we'll start to see growth slow, and that's not something that we should be alarmed with. Um, that's just a reality. Just as uh, we expected that we would see disruptions in the supply chain, right, So, which would cause prices to perhaps lift because of these uh, temporary disruptions, we're likely to see um, uh, the the, the a natural sort of part of the recovery and activity will be that, um, you know, the big uh, change, the big pickup in growth from the depths of last year, that'll start to roll over to moderate. So growth will start to slow uh, probably in the second half of the year uh, and into 2022. That said, Austin, we're still expecting, I mean, the expectations for growth to, to remain above trend for the next year, year and a half. So that means in the United States, we end this year somewhere on the order 6 to 7%, as I said, uh, uh, the rest of the world somewhere around 6%. <clears throat> and in 2022, the U.S. probably grows somewhere around 4%. That's still two percentage points better than where we've grown over the last four or five years. Hans, um, you know, you think about this experience that we've all had um, through the pandemic um, about how it's impacted growth and also the reaction of various governments and monetary uh, institutions uh, as it relates to it. And we've discussed uh, in the past about how much money uh, was printed or, or thrown at uh, the situation. What are the what's the uh, lingering results of that, um, which is, I think, again, a sense and we've talked about it 
an enormous amount of money now in the system. And how does that also inform your current perspectives? Here we are on the halfway mark. Well, I think retrospectively, it was the right thing to do. Um, and really the heroes, there are probably a couple of sets of heroes in this saga. Uh, one would be the scientists and the healthcare workers and the frontline people who kept the economy going, uh, you know, the, the essential service workers. And the other folks, probably the unsung heroes, but, but they played a pretty important part, were central bankers, where policymakers really swung into action when they needed to, and they supplied um, the economy with liquidity, both in the form of checks to unemployed workers, um, backstops in markets and the like. And that's resulted, Austin, in, in an enormous amount of money that has been printed. We've talked about this in the past, sort of looking at how we count money and, and you know, whether it's through M1 or M2, these are the different measures of money. Um, they've all sort of rocketed. They've all, you know, they, they look like a rocket ship taking off into orbit. Um, the, the growth rate has been unlike anything that we've ever seen. And so that's had an impact of both buying time and creating um, a willingness on people to, to invest in, and take risk. Um, some would argue that some of that risk is, has gone too far as in, in the case of some of the meme stocks that we've talked about and perhaps in some of these cryptocurrencies. But um, very quickly now, as, as growth starts to slow, as the vaccination uh, uh, penetration um, expands, uh, the question then becomes, and we've seen this recently with the recent Federal Reserve notes, is that how uh, all of these different um, extraordinary policies are now unwound. And um, how does the how do central bankers and, and policymakers guide markets, both in terms of expectation and execution, to unwind some of those policy um, um, programs uh, when they're no longer needed, which in many cases now they're increasingly no longer needed. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's likely to bring on a period of, of real market volatility as that, that, that change moment happens as it often does. Uh, so we have one of those ahead of us, and that'll be the real trick um, or, or the needle to thread, if you will, on the part of policymakers. How do they communicate what they're going to do in reversing policy or unwinding policy, and then how they go about doing it? Hans, with, with all the money that has been flushed into the system, where, where has that money gone? Um, and uh, has that been a, I think you're, you've made the point that it's been helpful uh, to keeping the economy afloat during the pandemic, but at this point, as the vaccination ra rates rise uh, and the economy starts to get back together, where's that money going to continue to flow, and is that good or bad? Well, the money is, tends to be flowing right now more to the equity markets. Um, because that's where there's a potential for return. Austin, we were looking at uh, the inflation-adjusted yield, that is to say the real yield on two-year treasury bonds. They're negative right now, and they're negative to a degree, almost uh, uh, 500 basis points negative, or negative five percentage points. All right, Hans, can you explain to me again negative, what does that mean? I always want to clarify, a negative interest rate uh, the example of that. 
Well, in, in this case, it's the negative real interest rate. So when you take the nominal rate, the rate that you see on a two-year uh, treasury note, which is not very much, and you subtract the inflation rate, the result is, is the real yield. And that real yield now is roughly negative 5%. You'd have to go back to 1980. Actually, based on the data that I looked at, June 30th, 1980, to see uh, interest rates on the two-year Treasury as negative as they are right now. Why does that matter? What are the impacts of that? Quite simply, when, when real yields or inflation-adjusted yields get that low, that negative, the, <clears throat> if you hold those things, if you own uh, that bond, you're losing purchasing power, which is a cardinal sin with investing. So the, the way that you respond to that is you start to look around to see what you could buy to preserve that purchasing power. And that has led people to buy things like high yield bonds, stocks, real estate, and the like. Uh, and, and you ask, where has that money gone? What's the impact or what has gone up as a result of all that money being printed? Austin, I'd have to say everything, pretty much. Um, you know, it's, it's how you, you have sort of a, what was created as a, do, a joke, that Dogecoin, uh, which was really kind of a, 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 a bit of fun that they had, is now, you know, uh, you know billions of dollars in value. Similarly, uh, real estate has taken off of all types of flavor, um, uh, art, uh, land, uh, stocks, bonds, international stocks, uh, uh, high yield bonds, pretty much you know, everything across the landscape has, has caught a pretty significant bid. Um, and, and so that is, is one of the, the, the direct effects of, of suppressing interest rates or creating a negative interest rate environment, which is what we have right now. It creates an asset bubble, uh, or it inflates asset prices as money seeks a return to preserve its purchasing power. Hans, how does that then translate into the what we see uh, newspapers, newspapers and so forth, inflation? So the cost of, uh, you talked about art and, and investments, um, but the cost of going out to dinner and the cost of uh, different services and uh, needs. Uh, should I think about that as a, uh, a temporal issue, a long-term issue? What are your perspectives around inflation right now? Well, we've had a view uh, and uh, for some time now that the, the inflation that we would likely to see as the economy restarted, as the supply chains reconnected and, and sort of spooled up, if you will, would prove to be transitory. It would be temporary. Um, and, and, you know, we cite the case of lumber in, in the most recent note that we published, uh, where, where lumber was down around uh, about $400 uh, per thousand board foot. Uh, and it, it spiked up to, you know, $1,500, $1,600 uh, uh, per board foot, per thousand board foot. Uh, now it's on its way down. It's been cut in half and it's falling. And the reason that it is, the reason that it's spiked and the reason why it's coming back, it's spiked because there was a shortage of lumber. Because there was a huge demand uh, due to home renovation and home building. But as prices uh, uh, took off and added anywhere between thirty dollars to $50,000 of incremental cost to building a home, people said, hold on, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. 
And so you had some demand destruction. And at the same time, you had people coming back to work. So the mills started to operate. And so they could produce the material to feed the market. So, you know, they, they say, Austin, you know, the old saw uh, if, in the capital markets is the cure for high prices is high prices. Well, that's exactly what happened with lumber. And we think that's what's happening in other parts uh, of the economy as well. So a lot of these things will uh, correct, self-correct. And indeed, what we've seen over the last uh, three or four weeks is increasingly a realization that perhaps indeed uh, these, these price dislocations on the upside are going to correct and move back uh, closer to where they've been historically. Hans, related to that, I think you will say um, that more likely than not, the next six months may have a little more volatility. Um, uh-huh. Is that correct? And is that also uh, matched to your earlier comments? Oh, indeed. Uh, I think you're quite right, Austin. It's exactly going to be the case, and especially here in the third quarter as we as we transit through the third quarter would not surprise in, in, in early fall. It would not surprise me at all to see um, periods of real, um, you know, sort of nail biting volatility. We saw some of that recently when the you know the market was down one one and a half percent. In the scope of things, not a big deal. That happens, but uh, people have gotten used to markets going up and and, and not correcting, um, and that is a normal fact of life. And I think that's it, 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 the probability of corrections. Uh, increase significantly when you get in these inflection points where we are right now, where we've gone from very high growth now to still high growth, but lower growth as as the rate of growth starts to taper off as we get into further into the recovery. Number one and number two, as the reality takes hold that you know these extraordinary policies are no longer needed and therefore they're going to have to be unwound, that's going to be another source of, of market agita uh, that we'll have to deal with. Again, we'll expect them. They're to be managed and, and not feared, um, but they are just going to be a fact of, uh, of life and a fact of the cycle. Hans, I'm going to conclude with one final question, which is we've talked um, some time ago, but not, not most recently, about the national debt, uh, and uh, which now is much larger than it was probably the last time that we had a, a lengthy discussion about this. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as it relates to one interest rates, inflation, and also uh, currency. Uh, and do you are you more concerned today um, about uh, what the forecast would look like uh, five, ten years out, or um, uh, seemingly uh, sort of aware and know that uh, it will work its way out? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the path that we're on, uh, as far as the the acquisition of, of more debt at the government level, is really unsustainable long term, um, and we'll have to reckon with it in some form. Um, <clears throat> some of the edge has taken been taken off a bit recently, Austin, because it looks like the program that the new administration was working um, on to sort of deliver which is going to require a great deal of spending and an enormous amount of spending. Looks like it's stalled for now. Um, that doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's not going to proceed, but it has, uh, its progress has, has stalled as, as things do in Congress. Um, and so it's, it's taken 
sort of the focus off that uh, as, as sharply as we were focused on it before. But I think that's something that we can continue to keep uh, in, in our thinking, in sort of the back of our minds that this is unsustainable. These interest rates come with a cost. It, it hinders on how you normalize and the like. And then when you're running very large uh, uh, twin deficits on trade and budgets, that's typically bad for the dollar. Now, the dollar's had a bit of a rally here uh, over the last few weeks as um, uh, you know, there's concerns about growth. That said, though, that you know, if, if we continue to see um, big spending, uh, big floating of debt, uh, and if we start to see normalization in other parts of the world, that's going to be dollar negative. And, and I think the dollar remains vulnerable uh, here going forward. And, and as such, and as such, it makes you know, markets where we've invested recently, for example, Europe and, and having full weights in places like the emerging markets, continues to, to um, be good ideas and we expect will serve us well. Excellent, Hans. You've, you've, we've covered a lot. Do you want to just quickly walk us through your perspectives on each of the asset classes uh, as we conclude? Yes, yes. Be, I'd love to do that. I think when we think when we look forward here, uh, Austin, you know, we continue to like uh, um, U.S. Uh, large and mid-cap uh, stocks um, and, and consequently are overweight them. And, and, and similarly with uh, small cap, uh, you know, the United States, as we continue to grow, uh, as we continue to come out and, and, and are successful in our vaccination programs, we're likely to see this above average growth and our companies will likely benefit from it. Also, international developed, which we were underweight now, we're moving to reduce that underweight because of valuations in places like Europe, business surveys that are improving, valuations that are significantly below where they normally are. Uh, gives us a great opportunity to pick up incremental return with very high quality companies in those markets. We remain underweight things like a high yield and investment grade because there's just not enough yield or return potential to offer us much in the way of a good risk adjusted return. We continue to like structured credit, so we're overweight that area uh, because it offers us both uh, a, a modicum of yield with uh, the potential to, to, to see higher prices as the uh, recovery continues to unfold. And then finally, finally, cash. Cash, with as I suggested earlier with comments around on negative real interest rates, short interest rates at zero, near zero. Uh, and then when you subtract out a 3 or 4% inflation rate, holding cash in this environment, other than, other than for opportunistic reasons, really makes little sense because one is very quietly having uh, their pocket picked in terms of purchasing power. So, you know, you'll only buy able to uh, buy roughly 97% uh, next year of what you would be able to buy right now uh, with a 3% inflation rate and essentially no return on cash. So it's something to watch for and to guard against. And that's why we're, we're significantly underweighted. Excellent. Thank you, Hans, for your comments. Appreciate it and look forward to uh, when we get together uh, at the end of the third quarter and look at the, the final part of the year. And I appreciate everyone taking time to join us today. Uh, we do these uh, sessions as an opportunity to share our current thoughts and perspectives on the markets. Um, and we welcome uh, questions or opportunities to engage with us. So again, thank you. I hope everyone continues to 
uh, stay safe uh, through this reemergence uh, from the pandemic. Uh, and back to you, Todd. I would also like to express appreciation to our audience for joining. We hope that you found the discussion useful. We are at a complex juncture for the economy and markets. At Fiduciary Trust, we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help our clients navigate through it and achieve their goals. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website at fidtrustco.com, as well as through reaching out to a Fiduciary Trust officer if we can be of assistance. If you don't have a Fiduciary Trust officer, please contact Rick Tyson, who is one of our officers who can assist you. He can be reached at 617-292-6799 or tyson at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. The materials discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and viewers should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with their investment, legal, or tax advisors. Copyright 2021 Fiduciary Trust Company.